What's up, guys? Welcome back to That's the Angle. In this episode, I am joined by Matthew Curry. Matthew Curry is a artist of over 20 years. He's also Emmy-nominated uh, through his design studio that he runs. And his design studio is called Boy vs. Dragon. They do really cool stuff as well. And I met Matt uh, at his art exhibition a couple months ago. And I actually made a YouTube vlog, so it's kind of funny. You can actually watch the moment where I met uh, Matt and talked to him for a second. So, yeah. Kind of some weird meta inception stuff, right? <laughs> but anyways, guys, uh, we are going to the new year here. So Christmas just passed. But if I don't push another podcast out before the new year, don't worry. 2020 is going to be insane because I've been meeting some really cool artists in the D.C. area uh, who are just doing some really amazing things. So I can't wait. So many interviews, so many great interviews lined up. Anyways, guys, let's get into the Matthew Curry interview. Enjoy. Do-do. That's the angle. That's the podcast. Oh, yeah, it sounds good. Yeah. You're right up in my face. I like good. that, baby. Right Ooh. on. What's going on, man? Not much. Thanks for having me, Bruce. Yeah, man. Of course, of course. Before we get into it, I need to say something about that, dude. About this, it's so random and not related. Mm-hmm. Trump getting impeached today. You think it's going to happen? Well, I think they're going to vote to impeach him. So I think, you know, in that, I guess technical and real sense he i i think he will be impeached you think so yeah i don't think this i i don't think when you know it doesn't sound like the republicans are gonna convict him when it goes to the senate and they have Mm -hmm. their trial and everything like that but yeah i think he's gonna be impeached damn you've been keeping up with it keeping up with it huh you've been have you been like super keeping up with it well i don't know maybe i just feel like it's you know, it's so hard not to kind of know, you know, yeah. I, and maybe it's just because I'm, maybe I'm paying more attention to it as I get older and I'm paying <laughs> more attention to the nuances and stuff, but, uh, and, and, you know, the existential threat that he, he is, you know, posing is, as a new, relatively new father, uh, you know, things have changed in my way of thinking. And, you know, over the last 10 years, I've, I've shifted my uh, my political awareness to just being more open to what's going on yeah. out in the world rather than just being like, oh, hey, <laughs> you know, nothing really affects me too much, so I'm yeah. not going to pay attention to it. So that, that changed a while ago. Yeah, I guess it's different when you have to look after someone else in the world. I imagine that's a yeah. whole different dynamic. Like, I, I've, I've heard that's a crazy shift, but I mean, like, I really don't want to get talking to politics, but yeah. it's just so crazy to wake up to. And the first thing I see from my friend's, like, Instagram story is, like, hashtag impeachment day or something. I was like, what? And yeah. I get on Twitter, and I'm like, what? Like, is this actually happening? Like, I can't believe I've lived through, like, a possible impeachment. Like, I just, like, it's just so crazy to me that this is a real possibility, <laughs> which is so nuts. And then I, and then you, he can also rerun, right? Which is which is kind of weird. You think yeah. that if you got impeached, you could be you'd be barred, but like he can he can just come back for the next one. Pence will be sitting there, and then he can come back. And I hate to say it, but if if he does get impeached, which will be crazy and insane victory for Democrats, I feel like it's just begun for them because. Like the feeling of the right wing extremism, like that group, I feel like will get a whole lot louder all of a sudden, mm. and we're just gonna have this crazy mess on our hands. Like I feel like the world, like the U.S. political divides are gonna get so insane afterwards. Yeah, and I mean they already are; they're yeah. already pretty divided. But you know, at the same time, it's kind of like if if this is that democracy that you know is quote unquote 
you know, dictated by rule of law, then, you know, beyond kind of like party, what he did is pretty clearly, you know, bad and, and not, you know, again, if you believe in those things, which Mm -hmm. I don't think, here's the thing. I mean, Trump, in my view, not, not to be overly political, but I think just, he just seems like the kind of guy that he is convinced that everyone Mm -hmm. lies as much as he does. And that, you know, everyone's just kidding themselves. Everybody's, you know, as kind of like corrupt or whatever. I don't mm-hmm. think he thinks he's corrupt. He, I, I think he thinks that everyone does what he does. Oh, like like the whole swamp thing. Like he's standing there like, you're the swamp, I'm not kind of thing. You know, Right. Well, I mean, in anything. I mean, I, I just think he's a guy who thinks everyone lies like all the mm. time like he does. And he just, you know, he's probably lived in a an environment where he's never been called to task on many things i mean he was the son of a that is true, wealthy yeah. man and you know yeah he's there's probably been very few times when he was called on his shit or someone's like held him accountable for something it's like as right. the, as the president and he was the head of his own like family business forever i mean just i mean i i don't know him personally but everyone from his past mm-hmm. yeah. per, tells the same story and but that, yeah. that makes that makes sense though. Like like just thinking about that, like someone who's probably never been told no or been held accountable for anything in their life because they're so powerful. Like outside of politics, you could probably get away with it, you know? Yeah, totally. But then it's like this happens and every little thing you do is scrutinized. Like like he can't even have a conversation with the Ukrainian president without that being a reason for impeachment for, between whatever he said. The thing that blows my mind is that like I don't necessarily agree with what happened mm-hmm. with the whole him trying to get information about Biden. Um, and you know, him, him, him inquiring about that, whatever it is, it doesn't seem very unlikely that other political people have inquired about other people. Like that seems like a very political thing. He's just kind of got caught doing it. Right. Yeah. But like, maybe, uh, yeah, I don't know. But, (laughs) and, um, um, but when I think about like, like Watergate as an impeachment scandal, and I think about this, they just seem like two very different things. Like Watergate seems like, yeah, across the board, everyone's like, yeah, you got to get this guy out of here. But then this, it's kind of like. I mean, yeah. I, I feel like when you're trying to hold that light to that light, it's you're kind of like, oh god damn, is this really equal in like weight of what you did wrong? Right, which just blows my mind. Well, I mean, we can never really know what people know, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 I can't. I although I was born in the '70s, I don't remember Nixon, uh, <laughs> you know, while he was in office or during Watergate and everything. But I mean, analogies I've heard where people are saying, well, this is even worse because. Oh, really? he, he I mean at the end of the day he was you know he was withholding Damn. money that was you know in a sense not his to withhold mm. and his story being that well he was doing it to seek out corruption it just doesn't seem to coincide with all the testimony where it was more or less seemed like yeah no he didn't really seem all that interested mm-hmm. in corruption and knowing what we know about him you know, it's just like for me, I don't think it's f- far fetched. And and while in the grand scheme of things, the everybody does it argument, you know, that may hold water in in certain. Regards. I mean, that holds no water in court or anything. Yeah, <laughs> this is just me like speculating from yeah, the outside. Sure. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, I, I but I get that feeling where you know, and a lot of people in this country are probably like, you know, they're all corrupt. They all do this, mm-hmm. and you know it's one of those things where it's like you can sympathize with almost why everyone has 
that point of view, like where they got it from. And oh, I think that's interesting. Yeah. Why yeah. everyone thinks politics is just naturally corrupt. You know, well, it's like everything else in life. It, it, it so depends on like, you know, just so happens to be where you were born, you know, right? Like what family mm-hmm. you were raised in. If they were a Republican family, you're probably going to grow up Republican and vice versa and so on and so mm-hmm. forth. And, you know, yeah, so, naturally. so I mean, by that, by that metric, you know, it's, I can understand why and everyone has that point of view. The frustrating thing, I think, for a lot of people, though, is that, you know, there's this understanding of where in the in the 70s with Nixon and stuff, you know, there was kind of like everybody just listened to, you know, there were like a few news anchors. That's true. The media channels were very limited. It was, it and, was like one or two. And it was voices. always like very, you know, from what I understand, just a very like hard line, like, you know, journal, this, this is the news. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with the advent of CNN and, and cable news in general, you know, that whole dynamic has changed. So now you can just kind of like, oh, well, I'm watching news, but I'm watching news that is making my you watching news internal like arguments make sense to yeah. me. It's back. It's reinforcing me. And so in a very real way, we're dealing with a situation where people are, there's two different streams of information. You That's know? so true. I mean, I think there's more than two. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Because there's so many news and media in like streams coming at you on a day-to-day basis, it's so hard to decipher what was actually in the in the uh the the transcripts of that conversation like yeah. what was that really the headline and ooh, that was a, that's a serious burp excuse yeah, me jesus no problem. heard that one in the microphone um like it, it's yeah it's just so hard to know it's such a good point there's so many different streams like it, it's so interesting looking back it, it was one one or two people at night at this time here's what it is that's a you that's it you have nothing else to go on now we have a thousand fucking things and we're just like flooded with so much information of what to think and yeah and in a way that propels extremism, because if you're extreme, you can easily hype yourself up to sure. get more extreme right. on either side. Right. You know, there's always there's there's pockets for you know any kind of uh, uh, bias you may have, or you know, it, there's always a place where people can join and feel like maybe they're a small group of people who've got it all figured out, and the rest of us are kind of you know we're crazy or we're liberal or we're too right wing or something to that effect. And that's the real scary thing, you know, not to, you know, I'm not a huge fan of Jim Comey, mm-hmm. um, but what he said, he said something last week that I thought was, was, it was, it was well said. And he said, good people believe bad things, you know, so you have, you'll have people mm-hmm. on the, on both sides, on all sides of the aisle. So, yeah. you know, <clears throat> it, it, we're in such a, a, a politically divided time, and I think we always are, um, you know, but is it because now that we have so much access to each other, we can kind of hear each other on a global scale for the first time in human history, you know, with the advent yeah, of it's, the, it's, the it's, internet? I mean, who's to say? I mean, you know, for there's so many things at play in terms of uh, kind of like the global psychosphere that's happening right now that... Um, because it's it, it's so new and this hasn't happened yeah, before. Sure, and, and like like we're the first people to really deal with right. mass communication and like I'm sure and social media and all yeah. this weird stuff. We're, we're all figuring out and like like how to cope with it, how to live with it. Like people are experiencing anxiety and depression at levels probably never before seen 
you know. Well, well maybe during like well, the plague and, and, and other and, and, and horrible it, times in human history, but yeah. But you know that self-loathing kind of thing where you I mean you read about it all the time where people are getting bummed out on social media, but we still keep going back to it and you know. Well, I mean like Instagram got rid of likes. They they did that because they were worried about people judging their value off of that. Right. And like I think that says a lot. It's like, oh, these social media platforms are maturing. Like they're figuring out like, oh, that isn't healthy for people. Like it, it's yeah. it's just like for your mental, the fact that any you could just go on and, and start comparing and, and now analyzing things and it's like thank God they got rid of likes. Because no one else should be able to see that. They should just be able to see your great work. And in as artists, you know, we perhaps suffer the most because in a way we're putting our portfolio on social media yeah and by default we you you naturally grade yourself yeah. by how much interaction it gets right and so maybe and i think that's what's happening now regarding art and in its integration with social media i mean um, you know, art for so long has been kind of dictated. I mean, it's always had many different facets in terms of there's the high scale art, you know, where that's mm -hmm. the, the, the really rich and, and, you know, that whole art world, which seems like a whole different planet compared to is, is, is that, is but that... it's almost like, kind of like, like anything else. It's like a whole different genre. And, and you it know, seems like a whole different genre of art world. Yeah. And I, I think it's a different kind of art because in that in that sphere, or I guess in any sphere, um, art now probably more so than ever uh, has to kind of rely on the artist to be more self-aware on in terms of branding and 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 things like that. That is true. You, you can't just live by the art like you have to have some sort of image or brand or some sort of public perception of who you are, I guess. Is that what you're saying? Well, yeah. Well, let's say you want to be someone and you, you want to sell your work on social media. You know, you have to commit to doing that. It True. can't just be like, oh, I'll just put my stuff up and you can be the most talented person in the world. But if you don't have the means to go out and share that work with the world and engage in the world, etc. And or you're not good at that, which could be difficult, especially in the creative world. You know, so many of us are dealing with, you know, uh, brains that are really good at certain things, but are not very good at maybe uh, the more like socially outward facing type things. And that can be a real struggle uh, with, I th with I think, artists. I think you bring up an interesting point that I never thought about before while you were saying that it's before social media, the way an artist would present and show their work was by putting on a show, very much like How I Met You. You know, like right. like that was essentially the only conduit people could see your art. And now it's kind of like we have a online art show twenty four seven, right? You know, yeah. it, which is kind of nuts. It, 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 or we should say we have an online art catalog twenty four seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The I show mean, is different. Yeah, the, yeah. You know, but and not to degrade, I don't say uh, I. I don't. I'm nowhere near smart enough to make any kind of like statement whether like the art world's gotten better or worse since the advent of, you know, social media or anything like that. I think it's gotten different. And, um, you know, there's, like I said, there's, there's different ways that you can kind of pursue a career now. That's probably, um, you know, it's easier to attain. Uh, yeah, you can you can pick a path. You can work. You can do a lot of things using your creative talents nowadays. Um, whereas before, that was a little bit more difficult, just 
by the nature of uh, the connectivity of having to hit the streets. And, you know, like for my first job interviews when I got out of art school, you know, that was still in the late 90s. And, you know, the internet was still kind of AOL online. And there was no sharing of your art, really. At least online. online. Right. There was no Flickr. There were no MySpace or anything like that yet. You know, it was like you designed yourself a personal portfolio and you shared your work through almost like a in the late 90s, early 2000s, there were a lot of uh, design portals because there were a lot of uh, creatives who were um, working within the internet industry at that time doing web design. And this was a lot of like multimedia type stuff. Mm -hmm. And this is when the internet started to be, you know, really designed and get it to where it is today. And so you had all these really brilliant young designers all around the world working on, you know, the biggest client websites and all this kind of stuff. But it was, you know, a small, relatively small group of people who would gather at different like web design portals and there would be links to everyone's uh, web design portals. And so you would go and you would see, and it would be a combination of like artwork and design and interactive and all this kind of stuff. And using this is back in the early days of like Flash. But those seem like two different. Those seem like two different things. Is is like coding and designing a web page versus like actually graphic designing in in like web design layout. Like, are you telling me that? It was a con- yeah. So it was a combination because it was like all of our day jobs were working on like corporate websites for oh. big clients, but we're we're learning all this stuff, and so it's like you start, you know, it's like when you're working on mm. your your personal work, and and so so much of that was like, and it was like pushing, you know, because it was like this new technology and pushing, uh, uh you know, HTML and JavaScript and cascading style sheets and, and, you know, Adobe, uh, back then it was Macromedia, Flash and dude, all I, these I things. remember all that stuff. Dude, it's so fascinating yeah. that like I, you have lived before yeah. online art present, like art portfolio presence. Like, right. And that's how my career essentially started was I had a website called Ninja, ninjacruise.com. And this was like from 1999 yeah. and, I, and I ran it until about 2007. And it was just kind of like an online playground where I would post updates and they would be thematic. And this was kind mm-hmm. of like the case. And it would be kind of like you would design an interface and make that interface as you know, intuitive and creative as possible within whatever you were working in. And, um, and then launching like even like pop-up JavaScript windows that would house like a single piece of artwork or a video or something like that. So you would kind of create these little like art installations that existed on this URL. So so people would like come to this URL and essentially get a new experience every week. Yeah, right. Well, not every week, but like whenever you had a chance to update. Yeah, and it was usually... interesting. And it was usually so you could... And and we were we at this time, you know, it was like networking with these designers all around the world because we're all just like posting on the same forums, and you know, it was like the start of that like kind of. I mean, people have been chatting online forever. I'm just saying in terms of like, you know, a design community and everything. Yeah. To me, it was like this cool like cyberpunk meets graffiti culture type thing, you know. And and I mean, it, it was it really, really neat. it really is because I mean back then like. 
images would take forever to load. I remember. Oh that yeah, much. but but even then, like the you would inter- design the loader. I mean, you would get all into like every intricacy, so that like if people had to wait to download whatever it was you're going to serve up, you were going to make your loader at least look cool too. That's so crazy. I mean, yeah. like you were on the ground floor before it was cool, before it was even like a college like degree like you were literally just there experimenting with it yeah i was working well i was lucky in that i i was hired by an internet company an internet startup out of gathersburg oh no shit fresh out of heart fresh out of art school fresh out of art school i walked into my interview and i wasn't doing any like computer graphics really all that much at art school it was pretty much all analog and yeah, like, I can imagine. you know silk screens and you know uh-huh. photo collage and stuff like that and painting and drawing so I show up and oh, and I had done like a skateboard graphics for a friend of mine's like small little skateboard company and a few other things like t-shirts and stuff. And this is like from the mid nineties. So I like walk into my, my interview and I'm wearing my suit, <laughs> my, I have my, my printout portfolio book. I've got skateboard decks that I've designed and all this stuff. And, and then they, uh, the, we had the interview and everything, and they were really cool, young young dudes, you know, internet yeah, startup. Started, this yeah. is like 99. It was like, I think I saw the Phantom Menace right after wasn't, my interview. Wasn't that like a really prime time before the bubble bursted in 2000? Yeah. That, yeah. like, that was when startups were insanely popular. Correct. Yeah. And so we had an internal suite of products, or they did, mm-hmm. and then I was going to come in and help launch them. And one of them was like an Evite type thing. Oh, wow. And before Evite. And then I forget what happened to it, but, um, so they, they, they interviewed me and I kind of told them and I didn't, uh, I, I did do graphic design, but it was very limited and I was definitely not a web programmer and I was just new illustrator a little bit in Photoshop and stuff. And, um, but you were, but you were just doing these things online just to put, get yourself out there. Essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially. So these guys were like, you've got the job if you want it. And I was like, I don't know how to use the internet. I like, <laughs> I don't know anything about programming. Are you sure? I just wanted to make sure, you know, that, that they were like, don't worry, you'll, we'll teach you that. We just need your brain for the other stuff. For the artistic yeah. Stuff. So, Dude, so, so I worked crazy. there for a while. Yeah. Doing that's... that. And that's where I learned a lot, a lot. Like, Everywhere that I've worked, I've been very lucky and I've been mentored and been taught a lot. Damn, so. you got a legit job after our school. You didn't go the whole like bleeding, starving artist route. Like that, that like you were right. living nice and still yeah. doing your art. Yeah, I mean, I was always painting, uh, but primarily I was always doing a lot of like, you know, kind of illustration heavy graphic art type mm. stuff, uh, especially during that time since it was, you know, the start of my graphic design career. And I was a huge fan of uh, the Designers Republic, which were a graphic design company out of the UK. And they used to do a lot of the album and art direction for Warped Records, which had like, uh, they were the guys who had like Aphex Twin and Square Pusher, um, Pop Will Eat Itself, like all this kind of like uh, Autiker, all this super underground electronica during oh, the 90s and all that kind of stuff. And they were just, they blew my mind and uh, uh, they they were kind of like the reason why I got really interested in doing graphic design because my initial stuff was always illustration based. Like I always mm. just kind of grew up drawing comics and graffiti and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Oh, did you, you did graffiti? I did. Yeah. Like in high school and a little bit in, uh, are, are, are into you, college. Are you Kesto? No. <laughs> no. I haven't written in a very long time. Yeah, I could imagine yeah. it. Then I hope he wouldn't admit it. But Although like, I never stop. Like, I mean, if I'm in a meeting, I'm sitting there and I'm like 
you know, I'll, I still like just practice hand styles and tag up and Dude, it's just, um, I, I, it's like, you just can't. And I look at everything when I'm walking around the street, I'm looking at everyone's dude, that's styles. That's and my favorite stickers thing and throwies and stuff. Yeah. Sticker. I love stickers, dude. Stickers yeah. are one of my favorites. I remember early internet, at least for me, I was looking, I was on the list, the slaps wet forums, uh-huh. looking at the slaps around the world and seeing all yeah. like the Mr. Robotos and seeing like the uh, space invader stuff. Before oh that, yeah. Before the space stu- invader. Before the stupid brainwash movie came out. Like, Right. I see it, by the time kind of like you know street art had kind of hit that like super Banksy Mr. Brainwash movie exit through the gift shop and yeah. all that kind of stuff. I had kind of already gotten I was kind of not like over it, but like my personal interest I just like wasn't you know, I wasn't paying attention to it that much anymore. Um uh but I never stop looking at it. And yeah, it I, I mean, to this day, I still look on Instagram. I love just watching people doing like you oh, know, hands throwies and all that stuff. And it's one of those things like once you notice it, you can't stop noticing it. Right. You know, like once it's you, that underground yeah. alphabet and it's like, you know, like you kind of notice the around town and then even the same spot you walk every day, you'll see a, like a different tag up there. Like, yeah. Oh shoot, that's new. Like, Whoa, like that's yeah. crazy. Like one who's doing this stuff. Yeah. And I'll just be, I'll see it. I'll see someone's, I'll see someone's tag and I'll be like, Oh, that's a, that's a dope. Oh, you know, and <laughs> just be like, I love the way that proportion of that, that tag is. And you know, I'll point stuff out to my son when we're walking around and stuff. And How old is he? He's six and a half. Okay. And um, so he'll be walking around and he'll be like, look, Papa, someone spray painted on that wall or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, do you know what it says? And I'll point it out and I'll show him. And then he's like, oh, yeah, it's like secret letters. I'm like, it's exactly secret letters. I mean, that literally is what it is. Even I I, I struggle a lot figuring it out. I feel like for you, it's a little easier because you've been there. You look at this stuff like every day. Oh, man. Well, when I and when I was into graffiti writing it's like anything else i mean i was just obsessed with it and there was no there weren't there weren't really websites uh, there weren't websites with graffiti there was no 12 ounce profit yeah there was no youtube video like how to right how, how there to, was how to tag a building how to i mean there was role. like right there was like style wars and you could go i would uh, we would go to new york and go to soho zat which was the store and you could buy like caps and do all this stuff and, you know, get, the, get, you get the crink markers. Were those around? Back no, then? crink wasn't around yet. Damn. So it was still like Sakura and like, I mean, fat caps. I mean, for the most part, most of the caps that I would use were just like stealing fixative caps, mm-hmm. you know, just going into like hardware stores and stuff. And, and it's amazing. Now you can get like so many caps and Montana colors and all that stuff. It's crazy. And I remember dudes doing like mixies where they would like, you know, one dude had like an old oven to decompress the can. So in with like WD 40, like straw connecting to two cans. So you could mix colors into one can so that if you did like a throwy or a silver and that outline color, was like you couldn't buy it anywhere. Oh, it was like super unique, and it was something you yeah. would notice if you were in the game. I think so. Yeah, Is yeah. It, so let me ask you: since you were in it, and you, you, you've, I guess you've done it in the past. Are the words designed so crazily to make it so normal people can't read it? Because it seems just like bad braining to me at some time, at some points where I'm like, I can't read it, guys. Like I'm yeah. really trying, I want to, but like I just can't. I, I don't know what it says. You know, I yeah. I mean, I I guess. You know, it's almost, I think, too, there's so much of it that 
I think that it's like it, there's a craftsman there's a craftsmanship. I think when mm. it first when it first started, like recently, uh, Phase Two um, passed away, old graffiti writer, okay. r- legendary um, R.I.P. and um, R.I.P. R.I.P. and R.I.P. Juice World. And uh, yep, and um, you know there he was. It was like when Wild Style kind of first came out. From my understanding, you know, it was it was kind of pushing that abstraction game uh, out there. What do you What do you mean Wild Style? Could you clarify that? Um, it was kind of like when graffiti started taking on beyond like the bubble letters, and you started getting more architectural and oh, like arrows and okay, and, and that okay. kind of stuff. So you started seeing uh, more kind of like abstraction and geometrical symmetry within the lettering and all that kind of stuff. And you know, so I think you know when it originated, um, you know, throwing their name up and all that, it was kind of like that. I'm living in this big megapolis in New York City. I'm Turk 182 or I'm John 156. And not everyone was doing it. So so it was like super at first, Yeah, at first it was just fresh. like, that's just like my name, getting your name up, right? Yeah. That's just like getting fame. And then it evolved and then it got more artistic as time rolled on. And I think, you know, if you're whack, that just means you're not, you know, you're, you, 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 you don't get it. You haven't gotten it right. Like you can't get the style down no matter how long you've been doing it or whatever. And so I think graffiti in that way is kind of, you know, um, you know, there's like rules and I guess the, the reason why tagging and the lettering of graffiti writing is so cryptic and follows kind of a certain, you know, set of aesthetic rules is that if you're good at it, then that shows the other writers that like, okay, well, you know, at least he's got the craft down. So he, oh. he's he got the like vernacular down. He's got the, or she, they've got the language down. They, they okay, they deserve to participate. They deserve this space. I mean, like the only, the well, only rule I, I mean, I, yeah. I just know that turf, all that kind of, you know, it's been 20 years plus for me um you know uh is that still a big thing the whole like turf like the only rule i, don't I know. know is don't mark over someone's tag like you don't tag over someone's tag is, like, i'm people. sure you know beef is always gonna be there people are always gonna beef with each other and you know they're gonna like go over each other and i don't you know crews do you, are gonna do stuff and did you have ever did you ever have like any crazy run into the cops or, like any stories from like your graffiti days uh sure yeah i mean so uh, I was in art school and I was I was doing a piece in Providence, Rhode Island, underneath a bridge, um, like uh, on an underpass uh, on the outskirts in northern Providence. Um, and I was there piecing with a dude from New York and a dude from Boston. And so we're doing like a three-person piece on oh, the one oh. side. And then some other local kids come down and they're they're doing like throwies and maybe silvers and tagging up on the other side of the wall. But on that side of the wall, it's visible from the street. Where the other kids were. Where the other kids were. So the next thing we know, we kids just dart on both sides of us. Like we're up on the wall. And you just see And them. I just see in the sides of my eyes like the kids just go taken off. And... By the time I turn around, the cop is like, I mean, he's like right, right there. He's like, what, five, 10 feet away? Yeah. And I'm just like, and he's like, don't, 
don't run, I'm like, I, I can't. You know, I'm not <laughs> yeah. gonna run. Yeah, I guess it isn't worth that. Like, right. So they took, you know, they took, uh, they took the three of us in, and and they booked us, and they kept us for a couple days. No the, shit. Yeah, you got a couple the days for that? A weekend? Yeah, I mean, they probably should have let us go the next day, but I yeah. think they were probably they were just, you know fucking with us dude that's and, so wild and so yeah so then uh and then court we had to get it was like 100 hours community service for each of us and so we did um we like did pressure washing had to paint like the entire uh God, holding cells of the providence courthouse dude, community service is the fucking worst dude yeah. it is the worst i remember i got in trouble once and i had to do community service in the first day i was at this boys and girls club the first thing I hear is someone comes up to the guy, tell me what to do, and he goes, "Yeah, uh, someone just uh, cut off their thumb in the batting cages." <laughs> I was like, mm, "I'm not doing the batting cages, am I?" Like, yeah, uh, it's, it's the most treacherous, mundane shit in the world. Yeah, so I mean, we had to do some, we had to do some shit, and then finally, you know, and it was it was miserable, but um, it was better than being in jail. And and uh, and then finally they were like, hey, do you guys want to paint a mural at this elementary school in like a suburb of, in Rhode Island? And we're like, yeah, all right. <laughs> you got a gig from it? Yeah, so they <laughs> like had us go out there and we painted this in this elementary school cafeteria. Um, uh, like it was a K through five school. And we did this little engine that could like little choo-choo train storybook oh, thing. Nice. And they bought us pizza and they paid for it. And the dude who was in charge of like keeping track of our hours and everything, he was like so emotionally moved by what we did. Damn. And he loved it so much. He was like, this is amazing. And he was like, this is what you guys got busted for, you know, in his, in his Rhode Island accent and stuff. And we're like, <laughs> yeah, yeah you know, and, uh, and then he's like, ah, you know, so he, he hooked us up and he, you know, he checked it off. Hell yeah. So man. we didn't have to do like the last, I don't know, 30 hours or whatever it was, but we were lucky. Dude, hell yeah. got, it could have been a lot worse. Do you ever wish you took that chance and ran? Nah. Okay. Yeah. I don't think it would have, it would have just ended up worse. There was no way, there was no way I could have gone anywhere. And it was like those kids who split were like probably like 13. Oh, and yeah. they were booking and, 13-year-old kids are fast as yeah. shit. You're not catching So them. that cop came up, rolled up on like three dudes who are like 21 or whatever, and he's like, <laughs> got yeah. you. Dude, oh, fucking sucks, man. Oh, well. Oh, oh well. I mean, that's, Life experience. I, I mean, I, I, that's, that, that's the risk you take. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like one of those things where it's like, well, this was always a possibility. You, are, <laughs> you know, this is illegal. <laughs> so... Dude, that Mr. Brainwash movie was crazy. Exit to the Gift Shop. That was an amazing movie. Yeah, that was mind blowing for me. Like I, lo- and there's still so much more footage he has of these legendary street artists like doing their thing. Yeah, and like, uh, where is that footage? Like, where is all of that? Like those amazing tags of Space Invader and all these people. Like in the Obey guy, uh, Fairy Shepherd. Like, where are all these things? Like, yeah, fuck, that's like history right there. It is. And Shepard Ferry was in Providence when I was in Providence doing when he like Obey started and all that stuff. So anybody who was around New York, Boston, uh, Providence during those times in the 90s remembers the the very early days of Obey the Giant, which were just little like cut out stickers that he'd do at Kinko's, little black and white mug shots with Andre the Giant's. Uh, uh, head, yeah, and it yeah. just said Andre the Giant has a posse, <sighs> and then eventually he had to take the Andre the Giant out 
and either go with giant and then I guess now it's just obey. Is that right? I think yeah, he's, yeah, no, yeah, no, I think he had to kind of like streamline it everything just says for, obey. Yeah, for legal purposes, I, I would imagine. Well, I can't believe they even got to that point where legal purposes came in. I, you'd think it, it was just like it's just street art, but he he got really big. Oh and yeah, I mean his he's a huge graphic designer, just because and graphic the, artist for is that, sure. Is that just because of the repetition of him doing that, or was there more to Shepard Fairey than like just him tagging things up relentlessly? Like, I don't know him well, okay, uh, well enough to. I I mean I can only know the way that everyone reacted about uh, and it was cool because he was doing it and there were a lot of uh uh you know people who were involved at that like doing small skateboard companies and everybody was kind mm. of like doing that thing and you know this was it was a pretty cool time cuz that was kind of like when street art started hit mainstream yeah like yeah. juxtapose magazine was out right. and then like graffiti magazine started coming out and like there was more, you know, dialogue, I think, in terms of, like, West Coast artists. And, and that was kind of, like, the start, too, I think, when, like, magazines and Kid Robot and, you know, counterculture started coming back into the mainstream. Kid and, Robot. Whoa. I haven't heard that name in forever. Right. Holy shit. Yeah. And, like, but I mean, Juxtapose was a big magazine. and It still um, is a pretty big magazine. Yeah. So I remember I, I got the first issue. I think it's, like, Mark Robert Williams is almost i would say definitely on the cover whoa and um yeah and it was like you know people were seeing people like twist barry mcgee for the first time that was like to me he was hands down my favorite street artist or graffiti writer slash barry mcgee yeah twist oh he goes by twist yeah he was twist uh in san francisco he was based out of there but i mean he's done shows he does those um really beautifully done drawings but it's mostly like black and white and i if you if you look up his work i guarantee you'll recognize it you'll have recognized it in some capacity yeah if he's that big i'm sure it's, i've seen it somewhere i just never really thought about like oh shit yeah i definitely seen that guy yeah yeah for sure for yeah. sure yeah dang and so he's had he's had some really big museum shows and stuff like that yeah uh, i I can't, I can't imagine i mean but it seems like such a natural transition like now that street art in that sense is like mainstream and commodified. It's like now we're in this new era of art where it's like the king art is almost like graphic design. Yeah. Graphic art is, you know, it's pretty popular. Like like, it's out there. Yeah. Like, like the, the, I, I have this weird stereotype of like a graphic designer in my head and it's like girl in her early twenties living in DC graphic designing. And And it's, it's literally every like hot chick I meet who's at an art show. It's like, graphic designer but it's 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 like become like the cool safe thing to do it's like it's not lawyer doctor but graphic designer yeah you, you can make you can make an honest living doing that yeah but that yeah it, what, growing up it was not a you didn't hear a lot of kids saying graphic design it wasn't I cool was growing it up. wasn't even cool it's cool now like it's, it wasn't cool to be a graphic designer then. yeah i just remember growing up and like having known some parent i didn't i don't come from like a very artistic family like no one in my immediate family or even on the outer fringes was really ever involved in the art world. My mom has a great eye. She has an amazing sense of design. And I think that's where I get it from. Mm. Uh, my brother is brilliant musician. Um, really good at like figuring out music and all that kind of stuff. So like growing up, I remember having a friend whose dad was a graphic designer or something. <laughs> and, you know, but it was like he designed textbooks and all this stuff. And it was very like, 
you know, mechanical. Whereas graphic design now is like, oh, I sit up my Mac and I do this. And, yeah, he's probably know. actually cutting shit out and like putting it on replicas that he'd make and stuff. It was, it was way yeah, less mock-ups and right. And I mean, graphic design is even in my career, I've lived through where it was like, you know, when I started, it was like I was a print. And then I had to get into the interactive digital, and that's where I spent the majority of my early career. And But that whole time working in design agencies, doing print design and all that kind of stuff and building websites. And then at some point, you know, programming and all that stuff got it got too much for me to be able to handle. So then it, I was no longer kind of like design. I would design websites, but I would be working with programmers. Oh, like finally it split. Like it, it was. It finally like, got yeah. to the point where you know customers and clients needed more robust, bigger backends and everything like that. So it was you know, it. Um, but yeah. So nowadays, I mean, graphic design. I, I mean, it makes perfect sense. I mean, kids so, kids have, are more self-aware about branding and all that. They start branding themselves phew. in high school, if not sooner. Yeah, that's I so mean, true. Like, like now now your first screen name is your brand for the rest of your life, yeah. which is kind of weird to think because if, if my first screen I name... I can't even decide on, decide on like a business card for myself. It takes me like a year Dude, before. do you remember your first AOL screen name? Like your AIM messenger name? I oh, was, yeah. What was it? Adult Black Sore. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, mine was like Dark Flame Six. Like yeah. it was like it was like some Yu Yu Hakusho reference. Oh, totally. Do you remember Yu Yu Hakusho? Yeah. Dude, it, it was a tournament, and and the guy with the third eye, he did this special move where he lit, he took off the headband and he summoned a darkness from the from an underworld, and he just completely destroyed this guy. And I was like, that is so cool, <laughs> Darkness Flame. Yeah. Dude, but so like, at some point. Well, well, I guess after that split, you had decided to start your own endeavor. Like you started, you just started to start uh, Boy vs. Dragon, which is um, like a design company. Like, yeah, I mean, so essentially, what I do, which we'll explain. So, um, I've been working as a graphic designer, creative director, art director, kind of climbing the rungs through like agency and everything. And then uh, about ten years ago, I was working at an agency, and um, I decided I was going to go freelance full-time um because the whole time while i was working doing client work and we were i was doing stuff for um you know like sprint and you know a booz allen hamilton like big kind of northern virginia dc nonprofits, like you know it's a big contracts yeah yeah the stuff that like agencies would want to have here but while i was doing that because i had that like online identity of doing all this kind of more Mm -hmm. art see crazy weird stuff um i was getting contacted from like you know art magazines and galleries and other websites and you know very much the same way you know people just kind of stumble across (laughs) my website and then they would contact me and i'd be in a magazine in like japan and stuff Dude, you probably have the most insane seo (laughs) because you've been on this shit for so long your seo rankings that'd be you type in matthew or curry it's like well no because i i kind of walked away from i like uh, when i went freelance i was just kind of like all right well now I have to build my client base and, and make money. And but you had like, something. But when you when you like, but it's interesting because you were at the agency level, so you got to see how how it how 
the contracts negotiations were handled, which I think yeah. as an artist for me who's never been on the inside, who wants stuff like that, I mean, not that I do graphic design, but like, you know how the deal is handled. You know how the dance is danced. Like, yeah. so, so, and you already getting clients. So to go from the agency, all this strong work and then having clients, like it seems like a no brainer to go and want to try and work for yourself. Right. I, yeah. And, and, but I, you know, you, like I was saying earlier, you can have all the talent in the world and and all that stuff, but you you know if you don't have the 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 drive or the the knowledge to kind of like not drive yourself crazy when you're working for other people, like I I think I left at that time. I left where I, I felt like I had learned enough to where I felt comfortable, albeit still scared mm-hmm. about going uh, freelance full time. But I mean. Yeah, it was it was helpful well, to to do to know how to do project management f- for myself. Yeah, for myself, like knowing like, hey, dude, don't watch that movie. Just knock out this work, get the deadline met. Dude, that is that is the realest inner yeah. struggle right there. It's like, yeah. don't watch, don't do this. Like, do this and get it met. Yeah. Don't go. Yeah, to that. Don't go on that day. Do, you got to get this done. Yeah, but so I mean, but dude, I mean, I think. You gotta have some pers- like we gotta put some perspective on it. Ten years ago, there were no references on YouTube. That's how do you start a design agency? How do you get clients? Like right. it was like I hope this works, and it was a whole different world at that point. So it's like yeah, it, yeah. it was harder. Like you you couldn't just see a freelance artist on Instagram doing it and killing it like we were talking about earlier. Like you, you know, there might I don't know what the situation was, but like were you like sick of the company, or you just kind of felt like right, or like what was the the thought in your head? Well, it was well. And it was also during the economic downturn. So this is like right around when, you know, the economy hit the hit the skids. And, the housing market stuff. Yeah. And like the economy in, in general. And so a lot of design yeah. firms, there used to be a lot of design companies around here, a lot of design firms. And, oh, wow. And, you know, they all just kind of fell apart. And there's so, no work. No work. Yeah. And, and you know, and... um. The first thing that gets cut from those big corporate budgets is going to be like, well, we're not going to hire those guys this year to work on our, you know, stuff and everything like Creative that. Creative is always the first thing that gets cut, man. Yeah. So luckily, you know, there were a lot of people who were out there and because we've all worked together in some capacity, you know, we were, I would have a project manager that I used to work with hit me up and be like, hey, are you still doing this? And I'm like, yeah. And we're yeah. like, oh, great. So it's like anything else, you know. Um, the more you, the more people you know, the more contacts you have, the more chance you get to press the flesh and just talk to people. That's true. And and I, I mean, as far as like a designer goes, most of my work is like I never, unfortunately, I don't get to post a majority of the work that I do professionally as a designer because of non-disclosure agreements and I, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I kind of thought so. Looking up your work, I was like, <clears throat> you can only like save work with them, but then a lot of the stuff I was like, where the fuck is this stuff? Like, yeah, yeah. So you know, it's um, it well, and also my portfolios. Um, I, I've, I've kind of, I, I'm working on a new what mm. new site now that should be up January and it'll be more robust and it'll have all that. I've been lucky in that I haven't had time to kind of go in there. That's the, that's the best thing. That's so, the best problem ever. So, yeah. So, um, so essentially just, you know, it's like, I'm like a bar, you know, it's like a barber. Once someone finds a graphic designer and it's a small business here in DC, I might get connected with them and, 
you know, I might do their logo or business card for them. And then they're like, oh, this is great. And they like the experience. Then I'm their go-to guy. And then so on and so forth. And so I have some clients that are on contract that are, uh, so they pay me a retainer every month. And then, you know, I'm at their beck and call should they need me. I mean, and that works oof, out really the, well. The, the retainers, the magic. Yeah. Like I, I love the retainer model. As an artist, like it is the best. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I get pulled into, it's kind of like a hired gun kind of thing. So they just know that, you know, I, I work with one company that does a lot of stuff. Um, so I'll do anything for them, uh, anything from like laying out an annual, rep uh, like annual report to like storyboarding a, a commercial or, you know, designing a trade show booth. I mean, just Whoa. because I've designed, so diverse, I've, I've yeah. kind of worked on every project that you could think of and it, doing, and I think it's a very DC in that you're working on with a lot of nonprofits. You're working very with a true. lot of trade show type stuff, mm. a lot of print stuff. You know, there's a lot of that kind of work here in DC. So I got to work on everything uh, oh, throughout wow. my career. So it's, it, it's been great. And that's one of the reasons why I don't think I've ever moved. Just because there's always so much work. I mean, yeah, it, yeah. There, there's tons of other companies and nonprofits that have tons of money for that kind of work. And it may not be the New York work, but, you know, it's... Yeah, it's, yeah I don't know. I mean, it's pretty nice. I mean, I'm really? working on... I don't know. I mean, I'm working on um, a, a book a project for the Smithsonian Damn. and Library of Congress and Smithsonian Folkways. So that'll be like a book project slash record packaging project and everything. So that and, sounds exciting. And that's, that's going to be sick. It'll be really laborious, but it'll be amazing. When you work with government entities like that, do they give you a lot of creative freedom or, or are they kind of like you do something yeah. like eh, change that yellow to lighter yellow? Like, is it like, what's the dynamic well, there? Th th you know, there's always going to be strict brand guidelines of course. depending on, you know, what you're working on. So chances are there's going to be a lot of like bureaucratic kind of things. But if you know that going in, you're, you're gauged to that. So it's like, I think by now things that may have frustrated me when I was younger, uh, don't frustrate me as much just because. I'm, I'm aware of the process and like, you know, like I did a project for AT&T and designed um, like uh, almost like a modular mural. I and think I saw that photo. Yeah. You probably saw it. Yeah. If, if you went on my Instagram, there's, they have a small display of it on the Georgetown AT&T on, okay. on Wisconsin. But anyway, the, it was a project that I did probably about four or five years ago, but the entire, like, I probably spent a total of a week doing the art, like, making it, designing it, right? Like, maybe a week. But the entire project, because of the fact that it was, like, they have to go do the testing and all the bureaucracy, the yeah. all the hoops and stuff, that it was, like, it took, like, a year and a half. Are you so, kidding me? Yeah, so... Yeah. Oh my. So God. it's like you in those situations it's like okay you get paid like the 50% up front. You have to. You have to. You have to, yeah. And then uh well yeah, and that's always beneficial, you know, for those of you out there who are always nervous about asking for money like up front on a project, you know, just remind your client that that that's good for both sides. It motivates, you know, both sides. Yeah, because on the artist side, you can have what you need to get by to the end of the payment, but then Correct. you don't know how long the project's going to take. Right. And then when the clients feel satisfied, they pay you. Right. And especially in the design place, I mean, we've all been there. It's it's you never know 
how long that small it always takes so because the person who is hiring you is more often than not going to be like oh it's not going to take you very long to do it <laughs> yeah. that's usually how it goes yeah something like that yeah. random question and sure this just comes to my mind as someone who runs like this is it graphic design firm or company? it's not a firm it's just Sorry, not, it's for, me for and like, my wife yeah i mean it's a graphic art and illustration i mean but essentially it's just my it's just an entity that I put everything under and like I design things. Like the brand, like the brand. Yeah, it's kind of like the brand and, you, and and the boy versus dragon is just kind of like me and the dragon is, uh, you know, the kind of like the metaphorical, you know, it's me versus this dragon and the recurring theme in my work is always like the scales and the dragon. That. So that's just kind of like, you know, the take. Well, I wanted to ask you a kind of off-kilter question. Sure. Like, how are you living? You living good? Um. Okay. Yeah, I live like, all right. Like, you have a kid and stuff like that. Like, like, I do. Are you worried about paying for their tuition? As like, what you like? Yes, always. I mean, it's and it's probably stupid expensive by now. But like, I, I'm just curious. I guess someone who's operating the level you're at, like, you've got to be doing pretty well. Um, I I do okay. I it's not as glamorous as I would like. Some years are better than others. I mean, there's there's some years where it's like. Oh man, I killed it. Mm. And you know, like you might get a good couple of contracts. Um, but then there are other years where, you know, you just never know. And so that's why I try not to think about too far in the future. It's just like, I just kind of stay focused on like the days ahead and make sure that, you know, I, I have, uh, my, my family taken care of, but by no means am I living, uh, in any kind of like serious disposable income kind of way, but you're able to like do what you want. Yes. Like you don't have to worry like about if like you getting had told avocado me... on like your, your, your Chipotle and shit like that. Right. So, I mean, yeah, right. Um, uh, so if you had told me, you know, 18 year old me, like, Hey, you're going to be doing this. You're going to be married and you're going to be, this is what you're going to be working on. You're going to have this kid and you're going to be, you know, living essentially this kind of way. I'd be like, no way. <laughs> I'd be like, that'd be amazing. That's like all I'd ever w want, you know? And so it is one of those things where it's like, you know, just surviving is great. Yeah. And I think, I think there's so much beauty in that because yeah. I feel like when people think that you work for yourself or you, or you work for as freelance, like it's some crazy glamorous, lavish life. And even myself as a photographer, like if I can just, you know, and, and I'm just starting my journey, you know, I'm fucking 29 and I wasn't doing it in college. Like, but like, I'm like, if I could just make enough to pay my bills you know, put some food on the table, yeah. not have to worry about if I should order this or that, then like, I'm happy. Like I'm, I'm right. I, I, the fact I could wake up whenever the hell I want to wake up is the most powerful thing. The fact that I don't have to look at the clock every day and be like, oh, is it three? Is it lunch? Like that is the most invigorating like feeling ever. Like it, it, th that's worth it to me. I don't know. I, I love that. I Yeah. And the freedom of the lifestyle. That's great. That's great. I mean, I, I did, <clears throat> I don't miss waking up and, and having to go to production meetings every morning where everybody gathers and talks about the projects that the agency is working on and stuff. I don't miss that at all. And, and so, um, I, yeah, I feel super fortunate and, you know, but it is hard work to, to, you know, it, it's hard to kind of, do the work every day, knowing that it could be like yanked out. Something could happen. Clients yeah. could go away. You never know what, yeah. what could be taken away. And when you're out there on your own, you, you don't have like 
a boss who's going to say, hey, you take as long as you need to get back on your feet. <laughs> you know, my clients are going to, I'm going to be like, yeah, I'm going to send you over to my friend, um, Neil, who's a brilliant designer and he'll take care of you. And they'll be like, no, f- you know, fuck that. If you're not going to do it. <laughs> yeah. They're like, all right. Never talk to you again. Dad. Yeah. They'll Jeez. be like, oh, that's too bad. I hope you give it all. Right, I'll see you later. You know? Um, but yeah. So, and I mean, I, I have, anxiety and all that stuff, pretty typical kind of artist brain, you know, I'm always overthinking everything and you're your own worst critic, all those cliches. That's me, you know? So that's all of us, man. Right. So, I mean, it's just kind of like, you know, uh, the happiest I am is like when I get home every day and my son walks in from school or he's already there Mm -hmm. and I come in from the studio and, and then I just like shoot the shit with him and catch up with my family and my wife and, you know, sit there and draw on my iPad with my son. And, you know, that's to me the best thing that I've experienced in my adult life. So, yeah, definitely. Like, one thing that bothers me that makes me nervous, like having a family self and being an artist and doing artist things or working for yourself, whatever is, is balance. Like, yeah. I, I feel like that's something that I would struggle with so much. How do you deal with like balancing everything? I gave up, I think, a long time ago. I mean, if I'm not painting, I'm designing. If I'm not designing, I'm drawing and painting or making music or something, you know. Um, um, so my it, it's weird. It's almost like I'll get projects that will kind of take me away from one facet of my creative output. Mm-hmm. Like, you know... Um, at the end of the summer and in the early fall, I got, I was working on a record music packaging that took me away from like painting and everything. And I was able to just myself and my collaborator, um, you know, immerse myself in that thing. And at first I'm like, Oh man, I really want to paint. I really want to paint. I want to stop doing this stuff. And then eventually I get so into whatever it is, that project, that that packaging for that project. I got so into it that by the time it was finished and I could paint again, it was like the time had lapsed enough to where what it was I wanted to paint before was no longer the same thing. So it was like, in a weird way that, that, you know, that uh, incidental kind of hiatus from painting actually created a breakthrough without do you know what i mean yeah, like yeah, yeah. it forced me to walk away from something not even a specific piece of work or anything but just like how i was you know currently visually kind of configuring things in my head and you know working on the record packaging kind of like taking my brain and moving it over into the more like art director sphere and collaborating with my uh my design collaborator was that the Thievery Corporation thing you did? Right. So I work. I do the, all that stuff with my uh, friend Neil Ashby, who's um, uh, one of my good friends. He's an incredible designer. He designed the John Lennon U.S. postage stamp, and he's wow. got like work in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He's just like an incredible. Graphic and you collaborate with him because oh, so he's a graphic designer as well. He's a graphic designer. So he taught at the Corcoran, and um, one of his students showed him my crazy website years ago. And he saw it and he contacted me. He's about, you know, a little, 
about nine years older than I am. He contact, contacted me. I was a fan of Thievery Corporation <laughs> from like break beats and like, you know, me and my friends were always DJing and mixing records and stuff. And so I was like, you know, the joke being that when I lived in DC, my friends were always like, wouldn't it be cool if you got to work on a thievery project? And I'm like, yeah, that'd be fucking rad. That'd be super cool. Oh, are they from the area? Yeah. So they're, yeah, they're from DC. Anyway, so he just contacted me and he and I became, we collaborated on one record and then another one and then another one and another one, so on and so forth. And then we were, we kind of like loosely partner up when we need each other. To kind of like flesh so you, out, you do like all of their their packaging and like did in their discs or their but it's, in their it's, discography, it's, they're yeah like their vinyl, all their like whenever thievery designs and everything, yeah like whenever they're gonna put money into the music packaging, which they don't do that much anymore. Um, uh, you know that's when they call on Neil, who uh, he has the direct connection with the ah. band. He went to college with Eric Hilton, uh, one of the two. There's Rob Garza and Eric Hilton. And um, and so just over the last 11 years or so, I've gotten to know them. And I hope so. Jesus, by that point, yeah. I hope they sign some shit for you or something. Man. Oh, yeah. Come no, on. I mean, it's 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 wonderful. So we get to make some really cool shit for them. I love the full uh, circle yeah. thing that like your friends are saying that and then like you actually did yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so then, yeah. So that, that was really crazy and it worked out. But... Um, so yeah, but again, it's it's one of those things where it was like, you know, that was just something where I couldn't have, I didn't do that, you know. It was a kid saw my stuff, showed yeah, it to another guy, so, he contacts so me, and like but, how that just how that works, like you know, because you put effort into the website that you that you had done when you were younger, but it paid off later in like the future. Like, yeah, it's so crazy. Like that's how these things work for people who you know, rely on a network to build clients and stuff like that. Like it's, it's just the most random contacts. It is, it is, it's, it's right. And so in that process, how did you get Emmy nominated for Grammy nominated? Oh, sorry. Sorry. Grammy nominated for yeah. that work. Um, so I didn't even know that they gave Grammy nominations for this, but, it, um, they have like the fancy Grammys that everyone watches on TV with all the big bands, you know, top music and all that kind yeah. of stuff. But then they have the, other Grammy awards that take place that day. And it, you know, that's where it's like best producer breast, oh, you know, like kind of technical stuff, but they do best recording package and like limited and like, so it'll be different categories. So it'll be like the actual artwork and record packaging that you designed for that album. And the cool thing about that, that I learned about, um, was that when it comes to the uh, Grammy nominations for the art direction and design and packaging and all that, that's being judged by other art directors and designers throughout oh, the country. So that's what's cool about like getting a nomination from that. Whereas I think you know when it gets higher up, then it's more political and it's probably like I know the Oscars and all that stuff where it's you know it's, it's yeah. probably huge political campaigns being, yeah. and all that. Whereas in this case, it's just kind of like. Other artists and designers who work on this stuff are looking at it, and if they, you know, so to get that nod. But you didn't. Did you win it? You no, we didn't win. We we got who nominated. Beat who beat you? The first time it was the Metallica packaging, and then the second time we were nominated, it was a uh, Tool. Damn. Yeah. At least two like metal two, bands. Two that was pretty. Ma yeah. Two massive bands yeah. too. So. 
Uh, yeah. The judges so the last fans. one, my friend Neil, he's like, we got to win this one. I'm like, all right, well. So is that is that in the process right now? Um. Well, we'll see. Yeah, if it gets oh, nominated, we'll, we'll I mean, just it. saying you were nominated just looks so good. Like it's such like a talking it's, point as like where it's you, like that resume, you know. Thingy. Yeah. I mean, it's I mean it's embarrassing and cool and like you know I don't know what to do with that information. I I just know I have to put it up there because that's what they tell me. They're like, you better put that Grammy nominated. No, it on definitely your, sounds before your name. Dude, it sounds amazing. Give me. I think any agency or he's trying to hire you is just like, oh shit. Okay. Boop boop boop. Is is there yeah. a, is there a higher recognition than the Grammy? look like is in in your world is there a higher like achievement recognition oh i mean definitely what i mean is, the what? grammy i wouldn't even consider that that's like a weird that seems kind of obscure like, yeah because right? it's like what a grammy yeah for you looks know looks good on the shelf though I'm not yeah gonna it looks look cool uh, and um you know uh it's neat and you know my son will think get a kick out of it when he's old enough to kind of understand like my nerdy dad got Grammy nominations for like what, his, what is his that design. what what is the like what is like if you know like what's like the top where like recognition you could get well I mean in the design world there's all sorts of different high-end graphic design you know it really depends publications mm. communication mm. arts art directors club AIGA I mean there's huge design things the Grammy I don't think the Grammy nominee, like no designer is like, oh, I'm going to get a Grammy nomination. <laughs> I've never heard that. Like I want to get a yeah, Grammy thing. I, I, I did, like I said, when, when we first started doing this, and they were like, yeah, we're going to submit it for a Grammy. And I'm like, what, the record? And they're like, yeah, the artwork. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And then they, he explained to me, my friend Neil, and he's like, oh, yeah, you, they do nominations for the music packaging. I was like, oh, that makes sense because so much of what music was – for so many years was the packaging was the packaging you know listening to vinyl listening to records looking through liner notes looking at That's cool so, yeah, you know it all was that such kind an experience. of experience like it, i mean hey i can only say i've lived through that one but it was such an experience of looking sure. at the book looking at the photos looking at the front and the back and yeah like, you know art and music are yeah. you know they're hand in hand for sure for sure what, what would you say is the hardest part about like running a design studio well you know it's it's knowing, uh, probably just n- knowing how to get the job done, mm. knowing when to say no, just, you know, it's not even so much about, cause I don't run like, uh, it's, it's not fair to say I run a whole design firm, Yeah, yeah. but you know, I, I do have the capabilities to kind of do that. So I think the hardest part for me is just scheduling and making sure that mm. I'm not overlapping and I'm not putting too much on my plate just for the sake of being like, well, this will be a big payday. Or maybe I'll make a couple hunt, extra hundred bucks if I tack this on or thousand bucks or whatever. When it's like, well, if if that's not a good choice and putting that on kind of fucks up the flow of everything else you know, um, then that couple extra hundred bucks probably isn't going to be worth it if you end up kind of like screwing over other jobs and clients or everything. So it's like anything else, you know, it's just practice makes perfect and learning how to schedule yourself. And you just get, it's things you get better at over time. You get better at like, you know, Doing design and being a designer and doing that part, like that's kind of almost like the easy part. <laughs> and the hard part really is kind of 
you know, managing that collaboration that you're having with your clients so that you're not lying to them, you're not overselling them anything, and th- you're on the same same page, and that you're genuinely like looking out for, th- you know, their best interest. Mm. Yeah, yeah it, it, it seems like for art school now, they should just have a, a, a section on like, how to be a good person to, and keep your clients. Are the headphones bothering you? you no, can, no, no, sorry. Oh, yeah. You can always just like take them off. Your no, I'm good. Yeah, but um, my, my voice won't sound nearly as full without <laughs> it. But um, yeah, it, I think that's the part that goes over understated all the time is like, if you want to be successful in like anything in the art world, just be a good fucking person. Like just treat people right, maintain relationships and, and don't burn bridges. Right and and normally I things will work out for would you. Work through for life, any, yeah, that works you know? for anyone. Just kind of don't be a dick to people, and, well, and if you have been in your past, maybe like you, you know, can still learn say sorry. from that, and yeah, apologize. And I th- I think in any you know, especially in the art world, there's so many people who are looking to take advantage uh, and exploit artists. You know, with the like, oh. You can design all this for us, and we'll it'll be really good exposure for oh, you. Oh, I hate that word. You know, and yeah, it's the worst word in the world. Like, but it's hard. I mean, we have fragile egos. We want to be told our work is good. We want all of that, you know. And it's like hard to admit, but you know, everybody likes being told they look nice, or well, not look nice, but their work is nice, and you know, and you have worth. All those kinds of things. Maybe some of us. Uh, you know, are more insecure than others. I mean, for me, if I sit there and I start mm-hmm. thinking about all that kind of stuff, I mean, it's just like a never ending <sighs> kind of, you know, it's a nightmare. Yeah. It's just, you just end up in a, in a, like a loop of kind of going like, Ugh. yeah. Do, and I, then you kind of also realize, like, I mean, you're like, Oh yeah, we all think that way. And you're like, yeah, of course you, <laughs> you know, it's like, we're all in this together in that, in the sense of kind of like, you know, that's why I said it's like, you know, I, I just try to see everyone's a- angle and, and kind of go and, and just like, go, yeah, I get it. I understand where you're coming from. You I don't know, know man. I, mean? I, I still think if someone works nine to five, they have a much easier time telling someone to fuck off than someone like me or you because we're like, ooh, if, we, if I tell them to fuck off. You're right. You're th- right. This might come back around and hit me in the ass because you don't know who they're going to be or like who they, it's, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a crazy game. Yeah. And I mean, but fortunately, it seems to me that like, you know, um, the generations coming up, you know, people are just, they're more aware of things outside their immediate spectrum. Whereas like, you know, people weren't before, like you said, I mean, someone who's in their fifties and they're doing a nine to five job for 30 years or whatever, you know, that's, you know, they're, probably not thinking about the world in a way where you and I are touching individual, you know, interactions mm. at all the times. Cause that's the nature of this, of uh, the community that we're, we participate in. Whereas, you know, they're just dealing with like that nine to five meeting those expectations. Everything's kind of taken care of. I mean, they're still worried about making, you know, their mortgage payments and paying for their kids braces and stuff. But yeah, They'll they'll say fuck off to someone they don't know, and probably not think twice about it. Whereas, like you know, we would, you know, people who are a little bit more kind of connected to survival. Yeah, right. Are going to be more kind of conscientious of those around them. Yeah, for sure. Do I mean I want to talk about something that we touched on right before we were about to start the podcast, and it was how it's the art circle around here is so small yet so big. Like when mm-hmm. I 
somehow randomly met you at your art show and I'm some asshole just taking video vlogging and shit. I don't know. I always wonder what that looks like to people anyways. But like, um, I was so shocked. I was like, damn, I was like, I just met an OG. Like this guy is like 10 plus years in the game. Like all the people <laughs> I know are like these young fucks. And like, but this guy's got some perspective. I was like, I was like, I had to talk to this guy. It was, it was so crazy that I didn't know about you. Oh no, that makes sense. It makes really, yeah. I mean, I, I don't go out. I'm not that social, and you know, um, even when my career was a little bit more robust in terms of like my outward, when I was doing a lot of graphic art stuff, it was still very like I was just able to kind of do it via the internet, you know. And I would do mm. a lot of the art shows that I participated were never even DC. It was like sending my work to California and New York, or sometimes overseas london europe uh oh, wow. tokyo and all that kind of stuff and um yeah so uh when i when i would meet people in dc and i you know i'd tell them what i did and they'd tell me what they did and i would meet them and uh people would be like how come i don't know you and i'm like oh i'm an introvert i've just Wait. you know i don't go out like i don't do stuff i mean people only know me now probably just because of like you know instagram in, I mean, uh, in terms of like the local scene and, and having said that, I've met a lot of people and I share a studio space with a friend of mine that I've known for a long time, um, who's an artist in DC and he knows everybody and everybody knows him. So that, you know, all you need is like one friend like that to where you, you get to kind of just meet everybody and stuff like that. And, and having a studio in Mount Pleasant, I've met so many people there. Dude. Yeah. yeah. It, I mean, Mount Pleasant is in its own self, like a kind of a weird paradise in DC that when I went to Lost Galley, I never actually explored Mount Pleasant. I was like, I was like what the fuck am I? I was like, am, yeah. I, am I in Old Town Alexandria? Like, it was yeah. so off-putting. A little I was, village. I was like, I was like, this is the whitest part of DC I've ever seen besides George Washington University campus. Like, I was like, this is like, <laughs> this is the craziest thing. But like, it seems like you don't really chase clout or anything like that. Like, I'm, I definitely chase clout. I'm so fucking guilty of it, right? We like, all in, are, in, in, I think. In, but like, yeah, right. But like, but, it's so common for artists to do that. And so you're just kind of like a silent killer about it. Whereas you look at someone like Kelly Tolles, who's like always publicly putting himself out there, a part of these big exhibitions. That I'm sure you've probably had opportunities to be a part of, but like, it's like, that's like the difference. Like it, how I kind of look at it, where he's kind of like an OG in the game too. It's like one is more public facing and one is still getting all their shit done like you, but it's just not in your face. Yeah. I mean, again, I, I think, you know, it, my career is, entirely dictated kind of like by my personality mm. so i kind of i learned that you know i love talking with people and meeting with people um but i'm also very homey in that i just kind of want to be you know like hanging with myself and my i was i've always kind of been that way tight group of friends kind of know everyone and friends with everybody but like you know, only come out once in a while and that kind of thing. Um, and then, uh, so, so yeah, I mean, it's like for me that just that part of, of that, that life to me isn't, I just don't think I would be as good at that as someone like Kelly is like Kelly is so great at putting his, his stuff out there and branding himself and, you know, and doing all that kind of stuff. And, um, 
you know, and I, I take advantage of opportunities when people hit me up and they're like, hey, yeah. you want to come come through and do this? And do the more podcast. than often, yeah, or, you know, a gallery show or whatever, or, you know, project. And I'll get that a lot. And people will be like, I don't know if you even do this stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> why not? Where is this coming from? I'm just like, you know, this regular dude. But um, yeah, you know, I, I, I just... I've been doing it long enough to where I think it's like I, I just kind of have some self-perspective on, you know, I'm happy with how I'm making it work. And that, and that's not to say I don't look at like, you know, a, a Kelly or, or another artist who's, who's really good at like outward facing. And, I, and I'll, I'll see that and be like, well, should, maybe I should do this yeah, more. Should, should I post more on IG? Should, should I, I do this more or... You know, and I, but I, I have to be honest with myself and be like, well, if that were the case, wouldn't you be doing it? Like, you know, I have to ask That's myself, true. and it's yeah. like, well, if you really wanted those things, you would, you would go after them. You can't just go, oh, I'm going to start trying to promote myself like crazy and really go after it when. I just know deep down inside, like even if I did that, I would only do it for a short period of time. And then uh, I would be like, I'm not into this. And well, you know, yeah, it's different. Cause like, it, I mean, dude, I still get nervous. I have to fly to Florida tomorrow for the holidays. I still get nervous about just like making my flights, you know, <laughs> just stupid, like little anxiety things. So, you know, I've kind of figured out a way to kind of have my career where, you know, the responsibilities of my graphic design career kind of satiate a lot of that internal, you know, it, uh, internal kind of like need to have satisfaction and fulfillment because graphic design, those projects are point A to point B and art and all that personal work. That's a mm -hmm. never ending nonstop snake yeah. eating its own tail thing. Whereas if I lived in that world all the time of just like your own art all the time. Yeah. I mean, that may have, you know, that, that would be very different, but I think I can't, I can't commit myself to being that artist all the time. I really like being the designer too. So in a weird way, mm. it's like from a business standpoint, it's detrimental. I mean, people would be like, well, don't you want to like paint these pictures all the time instead of having to even bother doing the graphic design? And I'm like, well, no, I love both things and both things are very different, but they feed each other. Yeah, that, that's very true because you could easily just go on one side and pursue the solo artist thing where you're showing all galleries and doing this. Maybe. I mean, I could attempt it. Whether yeah. or not I would be successful is a whole other thing. Yeah, but I, yeah, I could attempt it. So I have great admiration for people. Uh, you know, Kelly's brilliant at, at getting, you know, seeing his stuff everywhere. And I mean, that's the case with, I think I mentioned that to you. I was like, I'm just so impressed with the artists in this city. Mm -hmm. And their ability to kind of, um, you know, put forward not just a a branding foot in the game, yeah. like, hey, I'm here, this is my work, and this yeah. is what I'm about, but also they're they're very activist oriented. There's a lot of that social conscience. Whereas I come from the school where the typical artists and like, you know, it was more of like I don't the artist they don't go out they just go and paint and you know what i oh, mean oh it's more like a secluded it was like a secluded yeah. introverted thing 
and I'm not saying that's the way it is for everybody, but yeah. that's just, that was my experience, you know, and, and being a very outward facing kind of artist was, was really rare to see. Yeah. I, I pff, fucking social media once again. Right. But, like, but the, the whole political activist side of art in DC, I think is because we are in DC. Like it's a, it's, it's so close to our core. Like the reason why we can even talk about politics, even which I would never do is it is relevant to us because we literally live in this city. Yeah, and I've lived artists. here for so long that yeah. I just assume that's the way it is like everywhere now, but it's, I could be totally it's wrong. Not. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. like, like we, it's normal for us to see an RBG tote, RBG shirt and see all this politically engaged sure, yeah. art. And all it's th- almost, yeah, because that's like, that's our industry. Dude, can we talk about something that no one talks about? Sure. The fuck Trump guy. The guy who tags that shit. I was just looking at Dude, that on the walk Dude, he tagged so over. much shit. He's going to saw- this pillar behind you. You can't see it because it's behind the yellow. Yeah. But he's that dude. But yeah, I saw there was all sorts. Of, I was, I could tell he just got up recently. It looked like dude, that guy is everywhere. Like he's like a virus in your brain. Like I've never seen someone so committed to. I hope he doesn't get busted. That would suck. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I'm not gonna lie. This wall was freshly painted in my house, and he wrote it just like right in the end. It actually does look kind of good now. I think about it, but at the same time, I'm like, because it's I, a very like almost like kind of like signature. Yeah, it's style. very it's very stylized. Like it's he, very signature. It's only it's so it's only one guy. I mm-hmm. haven't met him, but he comes to the studio sometimes. And apparently, he's like kind of homeless too. Yeah. So I guess that's why he has a lot of time to go around, right? Yeah. But like, but respect for the dedication up. to like. How are we doing on time? Oh no! Just no, okay. dude. We're great, dude. We we got plenty of time, dude. It's great talking to you because there's still some other things I want to unpack with you. Are sure. you are you good on time? Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's two thirty. Two thirty. I I probably have to leave by like three ish. Okay. Cool. We'll wrap in like 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. Dig it. Yeah. I just want. I just want. I just wanted to bring that guy up because I I have like both respect and hatred for that guy. And uh-huh. I'd, I'd love to talk to him and be like, dude, like why? Why are you so dedicated to just this one phrase in the same style everywhere? Don't you just want to like maybe draw him sometimes and say fuck i don't know that and that's the whole street tag and he's a brander he's He's a branding he's He's like no 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 he set himself some very strict branding guidelines he's like it's gotta only be the signature it's only gotta be the script like his one trick yeah it's so good he's like that way it'll always be the same dude something we haven't talked about is your art and it's something that I think, I mean, it's so unique and it's it's so distinctive of your style. And I, I really don't know how to des- describe it. And it's, it's such like a common thread through all of your design. Like your personal stuff really isn't that much different than your corporate design stuff. Like, there's still a very common thread. Like, could you talk more maybe about like your approach on your style or maybe how you developed that if it even sure. was a thought? Yeah. Um, so no, it's not, it wasn't, it's, it, there was no grand thought behind anything, you know, where I am in terms of kind of like the aesthetics and the visual language that I use uh, for my painting and drawing yeah. and, and some of my graphic stuff, you know, um, a lot of that is just kind of evolved over time. And so originally, like I said, I come f- came from more of a, a kind of a illustration background. And so uh, I was very into like, you know, figurative, abstract kind of stuff, you know, of course, got really into Basquiat in my early days and, yeah, uh, Kenny Scharf and um, some of the graffiti writer artists from the 80s who kind of became like big artists. Mm -hmm. So as I got older and a little bit more kind of uh, sophisticated in, in, how uh, the media that I was taking in in terms of like exposing myself to more fine art 
Um, and just the nature of being at an art school and being around so many talented people from all over the place and having just that was in of itself, uh, you know, it was like one of those things where I was like, okay, this is real. If I'm going to be an artist, then mm -hmm. I can't be a fraud. So I have to yeah. know how to draw everything. Yeah. So, you know, foundational drawing of anatomy figure, all that kind of stuff, you know, that was a big part of my background and discipline and figure, you know, traditional drawing and painting and, and all of those, uh, and sculpture foundational stuff. And then through the years, as I kind of started exploring more fine art and it was an evolution of my graphic art, fine art, the graphic design mm -hmm. and, and all of that, once that all started to kind of like mingle back and forth, um, especially since a lot of time I spent um, in my early career outside of art school was a lot of it was digital. You know, mm -hmm. I was just cranking yeah, on digital right. stuff. From what you said, yeah. And because at that time, that's all I wanted to do. I wasn't even all that interested in painting at that point anymore. Um, I think I still was. But well, it was, digital was super fresh at that point. So it was like a new sort of art yeah, frontier. It, it, was, it was a different thing. Well, and also the thing that I found too was that, especially with Photoshop, that to me, making art like as a drawing and art program, all of a sudden it, that was like something where, you know, it just kind of clicked for me in that the, here it was, like I was finally able to kind of work with my brain in a way Oh. So it was like learning Photoshop and le learning digital art retooled my brain, and then like into your how your your approach, how I would then like I would approach analog and like all of that and like to this day, I mean you know I still, it's like I feel like I'm in a computer all the time to some regard. You know, it's like if I'm drawing and I make a mistake, my brain like automatically thinks control Z, <laughs> you know? Wait, but control, it's also, are, wait, are you Windows? No, you, Apple Z, right, oh, Command Z. It's Command Z, yeah. it's Command Z. Um, and then, uh, you know, viewing everything almost in this kind of like Photoshop layer kind of format. Oh, that's so true. Yeah, you know, it, it breaking gives, things yeah. down in that kind of regard. Gives like a framework of how to approach a piece and like, yeah. I, I guess, it's like a, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you were never, so were you ever there thinking like, I need to distinguish myself? Like I need to come up with a style that separates no. me or is that just kind of there? No, and because I was never interested in anything long enough to commit to anything that I was like, I want to do this forever. Oh. I want people to know me for this. I want to, I want to write fuck Trump forever. Like that was never that to me, like, you know, that's why I'm glad I have the graphic design kind of mm. side where I'm able to kind of work in those in that world with branding and stuff and design, which I love. Um, but for me as an, as, as, as a maker of things, I could never commit to like one kind of visual aesthetic it's to where so hard to do that. Right. I mean, you wouldn't, I mean, one musician doesn't want to make like the same record over and over again, but I don't think visual artists have that same flexibility. And so, you know, and that's, that's hard. Like I, I do, you know, think that there is like specific work of mine that I know for a fact would be, um, marketable. Right. And just because I used to do it and it was, 
And then I kind of like, stopped like, like, like characters because, or figures or something yeah, like that. More, yeah, like more of that of of that kind of stuff. Um Well, like the cause guy, for example, he's stuck to that fucking character. Like he's stuck to that like right. branches of character. Like yeah. in that is that kind of like what you're saying? Like like that like you, you can I, I don't know. I guess where I'm going with that. Like he's he's abstracting of, the shit out of it though, which is, is pretty though. cool. He is. But he has been doing it for a long time. I remember seeing his lettering before he became like cause to everyone when he was caused the graffiti writer before mm-hmm. he started doing the like the skulls on like bus posters even his lettering and stuff was super sweet and fucking clean and real real nice he did these really cool 3d ribbon type letters i remember seeing it in like 12 ounce profit or something like that um but he was like one of those graffiti writers where i was like i always loved seeing his stuff because it was so different and cartoony and flat yeah, and then, uh, you know, seeing how, and then he blew up to where he. I mean, gosh, he's been doing it for like twenty five plus yeah. years. But to hear you say like how you get this like nice, refreshing diversity of work, like your personal stuff, which could be whatever, and then like you, these other challenges you get from the corporate clients, which is which is fun. Like even yeah, even sure. As a photographer, Problem solving is yeah. That's all I care about. Yeah, but really. it's like it, it, in a, in a way like it must suck a little bit to be caused because he's locked himself into this image where if it's not a part of what he does, it's like, is this even you? Yeah. Like, it, so it, it's, it's almost like this prison he's built for himself. I mean, don't get me wrong. This guy's amazing. Props yeah. to him. But I'm saying in a way he's built this benefit, metaphorical prison of if it doesn't have X eyes or the whatever character, it's like, it's not you. Yeah. But, or, you know, I mean, the only way I could relate to it, because I, I don't know what, I mean, he could be like, yeah, he could be super frustrated that he's uh, locked in. Or, I mean, the only way I can relate to it is how I, like for me, um, the, the evolution, kind of like the dragon theme that I've used where mm-hmm. it's like I just keep pushing it and abstracting that simple like scale formation, which started out uh, at, at, from an illustration um, that I did for this French magazine in like 2004. And I just had this like kind of like serpentine stock and I drew the scales in and it was kind of like loose and kind of like naive and scrawl and everything. And for whatever reason, I really liked it. And then I started making these really weird like dragon compositions. And it was kind of like, you know, I think they were inspired by like Hokusai and like Japanese art and printmaking and stuff originally. And then over time, it just kind of like, it just it just kept getting more and more abstract. So maybe, I think Cause is probably looking at his work in a way with an eye that maybe no one else on the planet is, is seeing it. So he might just latch on to certain things that oh, over time have yeah. grown more and more interesting to him. And, you know, so... Well, like you said, the scale is a common theme in your work, but it's never probably like the same scale or the same formation or the same thing. So right. if anything, it's maybe this sort of anchor point to like something that you enjoy, like the yeah. aesthetic of for whatever reason. And yeah, it serves can... almost like physics. It's all, yeah. So, you know, it serves like a, like it has a purpose. Like there, yeah. there's like physical attributes to it. it. It performs like gravity. It helps direct the eye. There's certain things Absolutely, one hundred percent. I feel like when I look at your pieces, like it, it, and I'm probably so wrong, but just guessing when I look at like your painted pieces, um, your personal stuff, it, it looks like you're like dripping paint or something, or you're kind of doing. Yeah, am I right? Yeah, the drips have always been important. 
Um, it's a very iconic part of what you do is like the, the, the nice black drips across. Well, and I like that. I love that that physicality mm. of it. And because, you know, it's over time, that's become as much of a like mark as like a line or drawing a circle, like kind of knowing the physics of, of the materials and knowing like, okay, well, when I get to this final top layer, I know I'm going to want like white or a bright color with a real thick, heavy drip, mm. you know, and it might be a lot of thin drips behind that. And so it's knowing how to kind of like just layer it up. And again, it's that Photoshop vision where you're yeah. thinking in terms of kind of like layers and stuff. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. And it's also in that way too. It's just, again, it's like knowing the materials, you know, over time, everybody gets to kind of know the, the physics of what they're working with and, how they can get certain marks and certain things. And with my work, you know, that gives a good physicality to it and it gives a good motion and it anchors a lot of the stuff that I do because I'll have a lot of kind of like free flowing architectural backgrounds mm -hmm. and then I'll try and just kind of like tie it together with as few pieces as possible. Mm, yeah, I'm, I'm always so interested in like the process because I saw that video that you have and you were saying that you would paint and then scan it and then bring it into Photoshop and, and edit it some more. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, I mean, well, that was, yeah. So when I was doing graphic art and painting and they were feeding back and forth with one another, you know, what I was doing digitally, I would then have to learn how to do it analog. So I would oh. like have like a happy accident in Photoshop just by like dragging something over without it being deliberate. And it might've just caught, you know, when I brought it into the next document, the overlap maybe it was multiplied or the, yeah. whatever it was. Yeah. And it just made like a happy accident in that little piece. And I'm like, well, technically that's just a physical thing in digital form. So I can do it over here on this canvas. So there was always that back and forth. Hell yeah, dude. Well, shit, I think we're at the end of our time here, but okay. um, real quick, is there anything you want to say to any like, aspiring graphic designers, uh, graphic artists out there? I mean, someone who's got as much wisdom as you, is there anything you want, anything you want to say to that person? Meet your deadlines. <laughs> that is the most important thing in the whole wide world. Because the worst thing is, um, and, I, and I only say this from personal experience, is that, you know, as a young designer, you're, you're very eager and you want to do the, the, a good job and you want to, mm -hmm. you know, make your coworkers happy and everyone happy. And the best way to do that is ask questions um, and meet your deadlines. And if you can't meet your deadline for whatever reason, give, don't be afraid to tell someone, you know, it's like, it, this sounds so silly, but it's like, I just know that how anxiety can compound and, I, I hate the feeling, like whenever I work with young designers and stuff like that uh, on projects and they come to me and, you know, they'll be like, hey, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make my comps by tomorrow. Do you think if so, if I'm not able to do that yeah. by tomorrow, do you think so-and-so will be upset? And I'll be like, look, yes, they will. They will be upset. They'll probably let it go. But, you know... If you, if you don't have a good reason for missing your deadlines, like a real reason, you know, 
power through and do it. You'll feel so much better just knocking it out, getting it off your plate and not thinking about it. And, um, and then the only other thing, uh, I would say is, yeah, just learn, um, be open to, um, uh, not doing the same thing, uh, you know, challenge yourself at every, yeah. every facet. If you feel like that you want to learn something new, go learn it. Nice. It'll be, it'll be worth it and be kind to people. <laughs> so meet your fucking deadlines, people. Yeah. But meet your fucking deadlines. Yes. <laughs> Matthew Curry, man. It's been a pleasure. Thank, Thank you, you, Bruce. Thank you for coming on. My pleasure. Appreciate right, it. Guys, that's it. That's the angle. Peace out. Dude. Thanks, man. That was sick. I, I could talk for like another hour. Like I just I've got yeah, so many I'm other sorry, questions, I have but to split. Dude, I no just worries. got a couple of things I gotta take care of before I head out tomorrow. Oh, where are you going? It's just Miami, my brother in law, his family is down there. 